Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings a service of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running. Printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you need to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new rate advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promotion code, P-O-D, you can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD, P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code, P-O-D, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sufficiently Black, the podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. I'm Amari Pollard, here with my co-hosts, Oh, I'm Kia Swin. And Janae Price. Sorry, guys. That was a little bit of a struggle for me. I'll make it smoother next time. Uh, Yes, so if you're just joining us for this episode, uh, it's important to note that we were once upon a time called so-called Oreos, but we have since rebranded. And you can find us on all of our socials at SufficientlyBLK on IG and Twitter. We have a Discord. You can talk to us there. And yeah, we're all over the internet. (laughs) So for this episode, we're talking about a very important conversation that we've been discussing since we started the podcast. And that is, what is the situation between African-Americans, Caribbeans, and Africans? We're all of the diaspora, but there seems to be some disconnect here. So we just wanted to dive into that conversation between us and also bring in an academic who can give us a more researched, developed thought process on that. But I know, like, we kind of mentioned in the, the interview, but I know there's, like, certain instances that, at least for me, made me, like, click and question this um, this topic because I really didn't think about it until... Honestly, I want to say, like, college. I don't, I don't know if that makes me a little ignorant, but it's also because I grew up in such a the white town that like for black it was just like you six people like there was really no room to like dissect it because in high school a lot of my black friends were actually nigerian and so i kind of like 
it kind of switched that like oh their upbringing is a little different it was like a little more stricter like in terms of like okay you have to be a doctor engineer and like all my friends um went to ivy league so the pressure seemed to be like a little bit more for them and i realized like oh there's a difference of how we're growing up um and then in college i i joined the haitian student union i'm not haitian but they came up to me and they're like you want to join the haitian student union? i was like cool black people so that's what they said they said black person will indoctrinate her she's haitian <laughs> and i was like i don't know what this means i'm sure so i joined for like i didn't do much i joined and i would go to the events and so a couple of my friends from college are haitian and like i didn't really like it was cool to learn about the culture and i was like oh the dancing is different they're like you know really using their hips and stuff so i didn't really pick up the disconnect until like i started to get more like diverse friends sorry i hope the slack message you can't hear but um yeah, and then I then um, as I got older and I was like more on the internet and stuff, I would see the disconnect between it seemed like African American and like Caribbean and African, and it seems like from my perspective or like from what I was seeing, it was like there was always a disconnect where it was like people kind of didn't want to be like African American, and for me who's African American, I was like oh, wait, what, is there, like, something wrong with this? (laughs) But, like, it was always, like, oh, no, I'm, like, it was, like, another identity. It was, like, I have this to, 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 like, I have this culture that I want to be recognized at. And I remember, like, African students would be, like, I'm not African-American. I'm just, like, African, even though they're, like, I mean, I I don't know. I can't tell you what you are. Um, Oh, no, Yeah, I was just going to say, like, well, one, I think it's layered. So I do think... I'm a, I'm a first generation and I know people use first and second differently. I say I'm first generation because I'm the first of my family to be born in America. So um, I think it's different for me saying like I'm black or like I'm African-American versus my parents because they're not born in America. They are originally from Jamaica. So when they come here, it's like, no, I'm Jamaican. I'm, you know, I'm living in America do they say they're Jamaican American or do they just say I'm no, Jamaican? No, they're Jamaican. Like there's oh, no. Okay. I mean, I, and, and that, I don't, that's what I've seen. Like yeah, no, yeah. But it's but it's also like um, you know, like you come and especially I think it depends on when at what age in life you come to this country. So like they came in their adult. Well, not really. My it's complicated because I feel like they came. My dad came for college and my mom came when she was in like around high school. But your formative years are spent in a different country you're still in like surrounded by Jamaicans. So I don't think it's fair for them to be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider them African-American. They are, they are Jamaican. They are black. They are black and they live in America, but this isn't their home country. Yeah. And I guess I, I didn't pick that up either because it seems like when people are like, cause you know, white people want to be like politically erect. So they'll call everyone who's black African-American. And then I didn't realize like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's not everyone's, um, how everyone likes to identify. My experience was very similar to Kia's where I grew up, you know, in upstate New York and you were lucky to find a black person, let alone a black person that didn't identify with like being American and black um, until I got to college where as suddenly in going to college downstate where it's like suddenly everyone is like repping a different Caribbean or African flag and I'm in the minority being African-American. I'm going to parties and they're only playing African and Caribbean music and I'm over here like, oh, this is a different culture and people are looking at me like, 
what? And I'm like, what? Um, and I, I think just growing up around black people and then transitioning into this space as an African-American, it does make you feel, and, and this is the thought that I often had when there would be kind of that separation talking about culture where it would be like, well, no, I'm Jamaican. No, I'm, you know, Haitian. A thought that I often had, which I don't know if it's right or wrong, but my idea was always like, well, in this country, we all niggas. For, for me, that was always like the the period at the end of the sentence. It was like, you're black though. Like you're still gonna get hung up on the tree right next to me, whether you're Jamaican, whether you're Haitian. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not dis- trying to dismiss anyone's culture or disagreeing with how people identify. I'm just saying that in these conversations when people would always be like, I'm not black, I'm not African-American. I'm yeah, when people would always do that, my, my knee-jerk reaction would always be like, but you're, you're black though. You're from the diaspora. I feel like same with like people who are mixed and like clearly not white identifying. And they're like, so it seems like it's so people want to separate so bad. And it's like, at the end of the day, kind of like what you said for me, it's like, at the end of the day, if the police pulls you over and they see an ounce of Negro, you're all getting locked up. You're all getting arrested. You're all getting whatever. So it doesn't really, for me, I just didn't get the constant need to disconnect because it's like, Okay, we're all gonna get locked up by the police, so it didn't really matter to me. I think we all know. We all just we all niggas in this country. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure like everyone everyone of the diaspora, we know how we are treated here, I think at the end of the day. But I do think there is also an importance of and I think sometimes maybe it comes off like can be grating to other people too, because it's like, how do I I wanna like maintain pride and like also my like lineage and my history. And I feel like America does a really great job of trying to tear that away from people. So it's like, how do I hold on to like that part of me? And also like, like assimilation is hard. (laughs) So I I think it's just like- um, I think it's like, it's a twofold thing where it's kind of like- And you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. (laughs) Exactly. I think from the African-American perspective, it's kind of like everyone else in this country is shutting me and treating me less than. And then I see someone who looks like me and you're also belittling me and treating my culture as if it's less than and saying, oh no, I'm not African-American. I'm- X, Y, and Z, you know, it's like a slap in the face. But on the other hand, I get it being Caribbean or African and saying, well, this is a my culture and this is an important part of me. And I don't necessarily completely identify with African-American culture. And let's be real, African-Americans have always said bad things about African people, Caribbean people that come to our country. Always. Oh, we always, I, I know in Syracuse. I, I, I didn't say that shit, but I no, do agree I didn't that say thing. It. But I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, on, honestly, I feel like a common thing I've, but I think, I granted, I think we all, within the diaspora, we all have a tendency to shit talk one another because I bet you can talk anyone and I bet you anyone, you know, probably said something about some African men. That's true. I, and I you know, or some Caribbean folk. Even I'm Jamaican talking, men. We know. Every, everyone talks shit about Jamaican men. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. And Haitian men too. And, and, and Trini. Um, That's true. But I, <laughs> They're I also, all bad in their own way. <laughs> I also think it's, it's interesting too because I think on the other side of that I grew up in a in a very white town too and you know I think there was only a handful of black folks but all the black folks I was around for from 
for the most part, were like, you know, African-American family from the South or something. So for me, I still felt a disconnect. So like, Janae, when you were saying when you went to uh, New York and you're like, oh, like these all Caribbean folks. For me, when I went to New York, I'm like, this is the Mecca because, you know, I felt separated from, you know, black folks because it wasn't, I didn't necessarily feel of, you know, I didn't have the same, I couldn't connect in the same ways. I couldn't be like, yeah, my family is like from the South or like, I also, also do think it's like kind of weird to be of immigrant parents and like live in this country and also feel like no rooted connection like lineage wise in this country, you know, that's like, kind of a blessing though. Well, at least what I, I mean, it's you. I know, Ke- I, I know you're saying you're saying I know you're saying it's a blessing, and we you mentioned this too, like in the, in the in the chat. It's like, oh, at least you can you can um, you can go back and you can trace it and you can see like it goes farther. But I think we also need to remember the tracing stops after a certain point, no matter where you go. Like mm-hmm. I can trace to Jamaica. But it still stops after Jamaica. Like, Jamaica's not actually the home. It was, like, Ghana. I will say, um, Janae, you said, damn, you said something. Oh, you said, um, I don't know, you were talking about African-American experience. But I remember hearing, like, I would hear certain comments. So, like, this one African girl, she was dating our friend who is white. And she had said something, like, basically how, like, her parents said it was better to bring home a white man than an African-American man. And I was just like... Okay, she didn't say it to me, but like someone said that she had said that, and I was like, "Oh, that's messed up." And I would hear comments like that, where it's like, "Oh, better not." Like at least the white man's better than the African American man, and I'm just like, "Oh, okay, this is this is not." I but I think that's right. also just a issue about whiteness. No, it is. It's an issue about I, whiteness too. But I do feel like it's for me. It's kind of like. You know, not to sound like I love America. I obviously have a love-hate relationship with America. But for me, it's like, okay, America, we all know black people built America. And it's like coming here and then shitting on the the black people that built America. And it's like not our fault that, you know, the African-American community is not as affluent as like any other community. That's just how it is. And we know that's systematic racism. But it, it like stings a little extra where it's like people that look like us come to the country that, you know, your ancestors built and then actively shit on you. That was always a sting where it's like that hurts more than like the average racist white person, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like unfortunate confirmation that like all skin folk ain't kin folk. Um, And I also do think like I definitely think there is a level of uh, learning that needs to be done as an immigrant coming into this country and like trying to, cause like understand the history of all that, the stuff that goes on. And someone posted this on Twitter the other day, granted don't take all your information from Twitter, but it was, it was, I thought it was an important point where he was like, whatever you think slavery and like uh, Jim Crow was, I trust it was 100% worse than like the stories and the history we get. So I definitely do think there is like, this level of understanding that needs to be cultivated. And it, unfortunately, I do think it, you know, takes a lot of time because I feel like you get used to, like, I was just talking to my parents about this. I'm so used to New York state laws that living in a whole complete different state is a mind, mind fuck. So I'm like, imagine being used to a whole way of what, like one country functions and then going to another place and then trying to understand how that country functions too. It's going to take some time not to also like, I'm not trying to play 
like I'm not trying to make excuses because I do think there is a level of like language is important as we talk about in this conversation. I agree with that. I imagine that as a Caribbean person or an African person, you've heard about American slavery and you've probably learned a surface level about it. And then you'd come to this country and at the worst, you would see like black people struggling and not doing well. And you would say, well, slavery was a really, really long time ago. So why haven't you guys done better by now? You know, like if you don't know what systematic oppression is if you don't know much about slavery. I imagine that you would see black people struggling and continually struggling and kind of be like, well, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with y'all? Systematic racism is kind of like self-taught if you think about it. No, it is. They're teaching you in school. I can't imagine that you come to this country and there's, unless you actively seek out that knowledge, which is another shitty thing about, I feel like, african-american culture because it's like we have to do so much work to also learn about you know learn about your hair how many times are we on fucking youtube like for eight hours learning about you know what i'm saying it's like we have to do so much to just learn about us and it's like we're we only do that because we're us but if you're not us you're not gonna do that yeah i I definitely do think there's a disconnect i also think like if you're coming from a i think also like to some people not to everyone who's you know, who's an immigrant, America is like the land of opportunity. It is the Mecca. And it's a lot better in a lot of situations than what you're coming from. So like, if you view it as like being a better situation and then you, and then you see other people still struggling in it, you're, I think there is like this disconnect where that doesn't make sense because like, this is so much better than where I'm coming from. Why aren't the people who have been in this better situation, better situation, for, and I know. always thought that um, being an immigrant, like depending on where you're from, like an immigrant from Europe, obviously has an easier time in a better um, treatment than someone who's lived here for X amount of generations as an African-American. Because I don't know, I've talked to a lot of Euro- European immigrants and like we the know way, you, you know, I'm just going to say I've talked to them. That's it. <laughs> and the way that they're get treated and like the way they're, they get to operate in the country is a lot better white. than I would say. Yeah. And I'm saying, but I'm saying that as like, because I feel like people would disagree because it's, um, you know, you weren't born here, but I, I just don't think it's always that. Um, but I also want to, to ask, or I want to bring this up before we go into 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 the interview about cultural formation in the diaspora because I personally do not agree with our guests, but that's just my opinion because I don't think you can cultural appropriate within the diaspora, but I realize that that's not a common opinion. So what do you guys want to say on it? I think my general general thing of like how I try to go through life is like, if I don't know about it, I'm not going to try to like be it or like touch it i think that's just like just a but i mean i don't i i agree in that like i do think like if you're going to there is a level of knowledge and like acknowledgement that comes with uh stepping into a different culture and i think that's what she was pointing out like you have to give credit where it's like do and do right by the culture that you're trying to either like use or celebrate or yeah i just feel like that's that can be kind of subjective too because like someone's idea of acknowledgement or credit might not be enough so like when she gave that example of like beyonce doing um for black is king for me i didn't even think that was even attempt of cultural appropriation because i'm like her culture or her roots are african and so for me it was like okay well what 
what would she do? I just didn't think I didn't get like the alternative or the backlash really because I'm like that's I know she's not from like born and raised in Africa but like she's an African American woman so I just thought it was weird how that would be considered cultural appropriation. I think probably what's weirder is that not so much of like Beyonce she was in the movie and she's getting asked or whatever but I guess like if you're going to base a movie in a you know, oh, you mean like selecting Beyonce for yeah, this Yeah, like that's the, I think that's the I think that's the thing. It's like you should have gone that. to the continent, found talent there, and brought it back. If this is supposed to be a representation of you know that to me, that, so I'm not going to slight Beyonce for given the opportunity and actually like I think what ended up being a really nice homage to um, African roots, and I think it was special for like Black people in in America who feel like we're so like we feel a disconnect, I think, from home where it was like nice to be like, oh, there could be a connection there. But it is, but I think everything's just nuanced and complicated and I'm not going to treat each situation to the same level. I'm just going to like dissect each one. I feel like because like you can't acknowledge, I don't know, because I don't know, you could say like, oh, that's not, she didn't acknowledge enough. So I don't don't know, I I get her answer, but I'm like, how do we determine what is appreciation and appropriation depending on the crediting i personally as as typical i'm pretty medium on everything where i don't think anything's black and white like i don't think it's as simple as saying a yes or no i just feel like it's a situation to situation basis um and although i get the base thought of like we're all black you can't like And I think that a white person culturally appropriating something is way worse than a person of color doing it. But similarly to what Amari said, if I, if something is not my culture, like I'm not going to pull up like Drake and is Drake Caribbean? I'm not sure. I'm not going to pull up like Drake and have like a weird Caribbean accent in my songs because I'm not caribbean i'm not going to i don't know like start making tiktoks and have like a cute little caribbean or african accent because that's what people like i'm just i'm not going to do that and i think that that's kind of funny behavior if you do but then again i think any of this is worse if a white person does it than like a person of color doing it period Jake's music just be changing based off of who he's sleeping with. Oh, 100%. I think Drake, I feel like Drake doing that. I do it. I think doing an accent is also just like disrespectful because that's. I feel like that's beyond like the race. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel like that's that's weirdo behavior if you're doing a whole accent. Like Drake is weird for that. But I'm you take sorry. like his entire album where he's sitting on the that tall ass building. What's that? Oh, the views. Was the water yeah. tower? yeah views or whatever and there are there's just so much caribbean influence in that album was he messing with with rihanna during that time yes he was i think he was trying to mess with rihanna during that time and he was not succeeding exactly (laughs) and it's like stuff like that where it's kind of like like i don't know if i would be like you cultural appropriator but at the same time like Drake, like I wouldn't do it. I can, I I can see that. I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's tasteful, and I guess that it is the textbook definition of cultural appropriation, where it's not his culture and he's taking it. But I'm not gonna have the same fire for him as I would a white person. 
That's true. I guess when you talk about it that way, because I was solely thinking of the Beyonce thing, but when you put it as like Drake, I'm like, okay, if someone were to say like Drake does a culture like culturally appropriate Caribbean culture, I I could see why someone would say that too. And I think people had more fire for Beyonce because she's Beyonce. Like Amari said, you could have went to any African country and found someone very, very talented who has the skills, the things, and is a part of that culture. It is so you, dark in Y'all right know now. Disney wasn't going to do that because of capitalism, though. Of course. Right. Of course. They knew of be- course. But they also knew Beyonce could reach the white folk. Exactly. Versus the African... Because you could... I would have loved to listen to, like, Davido or someone on there. Mm-hmm. Or was he on there? Did she include him? Nah, I don't know. She Either. included a lot of people, though. She oh, did. The artists who are, like, big on their own in their own right, but, of course, it's, like, Black people know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think, like, someone like Beyonce, people had problems with it because, one, it's Beyonce. Two, it's, like, a light-skinned woman that they're using as the poster child to represent all of African culture is another thing that people really had a an issue with. I just feel like all these issues are so nuanced. They're not one-dimensional. And it's so damn difficult to just be like, it's cultural appropriation. And that's it, you know? You know? Yeah, no. I know. I get that when you when you explain it. I feel like Beyonce, people are going to hate Beyonce for whatever she does anyway. And I think it's funny because she like barely speaks, I feel like. Beyonce don't be doing shit and people just find a way to dislike her. And it's so, I don't know. I mean, I get people might not like Beyonce, but I just, I don't know. Just kind I just of feel like you're a hater if you don't. <laughs> I agree. I'm not even a Beyonce stand like that, but I got I to gotta give credit when it's due. And I just you just, like you got to give credit. Don't talk. She don't talk and she be making millions in her sleep and y'all are still like, well, she did this today and I can't. A lot of people feel that she's like full of herself. And I'm like, well, she She has the right. But she has the right to be full of herself. Why is it a bad thing that this black woman at the top of her game is full of herself? Because it's not them. That's the problem. People just like, I feel like a lot of times like we just be looking at shit and the real issue is not them. It's the fact that we are not in that position and that's where people's anger comes from that's true too because people were mad that rihanna was a billionaire and i'm like well what did you want her to be broke like she it's not her fault that she what she used the system and got money i'd rather my money go to rihanna than kim kardashian so if one of them gotta be a billionaire then i'm gonna do it for rihanna like i'm not gonna be like rihanna sucks because she makes money like the bitch been making money since she was 16 what you want her to do be broke after 10 years that's what gets me where it's kind of like beyonce has worked for this beyonce just beyonce's parents weren't just like rich people I don't, I don't know their financial situation, but Beyonce worked for this. Beyonce has been doing this for a minute. And like, that same energy is never to like Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg. It's never like Jeff Bezos. People are like, I want to be them. They're yeah. great. Well, they put work into it. Yeah, they're, you love Elon Musk, but you hate Beyonce. Make it make sense. And Elon Musk has like 10 kids out of wedlock. And I'm sorry, that's weird. Oh, he does? I'm going to call it out. Yeah, because people will make fun of black people for having a bunch of kids. But Elon Musk got like 10 kids and 18 no one baby talks mamas. About like, that. I didn't know no about that No one talks about that. Huh. But I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a roast these white folks because we, we need to level the playing field. Like y'all, people, y'all but should that, get mad that, at but that's, that's But that's always the thing. People make exceptions for rich people. Elon Musk can do that one because he's white, one because he's a man and I said one twice and three because he's rich, you know, like also if we think about women who 
I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but I'm also like saying like, you know, people like to associate certain things with black folks, but there's a lot of, like you said, like rich white people who do the same thing. And it's just like not frowned upon. Like Kate Hudson has three kids for three, three guys. Really? Yeah, but no one says anything. I had no clue. I actually had no idea of that. Wow. But I did look at Elon Musk and I was disgusted. I'm like, he's been planting his seed in everyone that walks by. And everyone's just like, <laughs> I love Elon Musk. And I think that's weird. You know, I think we should go back to the question. Can black people culturally appropriate? And I think the answer is, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the answer. I think that's the answer. I think that's we're fair. split. I think I I think we don't know and maybe we should find out by someone who has more degrees than us. Hey all, today we're joined by Dr. Amy Kwakume, officially known as Dr. A. Um, she's a doctor of Africa, scholar, filmmaker, and associate professor of Africana Studies in the Department of Afro-American Studies at Howard University. As a filmmaker, Dr. A has produced two documentaries and is currently working on her first book, The New Howard Woman, Lucy Diggs Slow in Her Own Words. She also contributed to and has been invited as a guest on many media outlets, including BET News, PBS NewsHour, American Radio Works, Al Jazeera, Philadelphia Community Access Media, and so many others. Uh, We are so glad to have you here for us, well, with us today for this conversation. I feel like we've been talking about this since the beginning of the podcast, and we really wanted to have someone on the show who we felt could give us that not only personal, but academic um, insight. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, So just to get into it, uh, as our listeners know, our conversation today is about the supposed differences between African-Americans, Africans, and Caribbean folk. And we just want to dive into this conversation and and kind of explore why there seems to be a disconnect. Uh, So for our first question, why does it seem like Black people from other countries may want to separate themselves from African-Americans? Is that question for me to open up with? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) That's That's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) Wow. A couple of things that come to mind before I attempt to answer that question. And answer that question, I don't speak for everyone, right? Um, In all humility, everyone has their own different experiences. So the reasons why people choose to be in community or not be in community may be more um, complex than what I may be thinking, right? But historically... Um, we know that we are all from the same womb, which is the continent, right? Um, and the ways in which we become or we move out of the womb involuntarily through, through enslavement, right? So we are brothers and sisters of the same mother, but we happen to have been dropped off in the Caribbean based on one boat. Um, some of us were left on the continent and, and on, um, in some dungeons, um, and some were dropped off in the South, in the Americas, right? So... Um, the difference is depending on what boat you happen to, what, what traumatic slave, enslaved experience your family was able to live through that makes us different, right? Um, but we are all the same womb. And the challenging part is um, I don't believe it's us not wanting to side with or be in community with that knowledge the big the the one thing is not many of us know that right so if you're from jamaica jamaicans are in some cases 
those who are from Ghana, Akan, and they were stolen from the continent in Ghana and they were dropped off in what we know as Jamaica. The story has that J- Jamaica um, is Akan for Jamaica, Jamaica, I'm stuck. All right? So we have African people who are stuck in a new space and they just try to figure out how to live their life there so they become Jamaican, right? But we're all the same. And the difference is, number one, not knowing our history. Two, not being able to sit with that pain, right? Sometimes it's hard to say, um, you could have been my brother or I would have been someone different if it had not been for that ship, right? So I try to frame my my experience differently. So I try to cut you out just to live a different life, right? But um, not everyone has the knowledge, not everyone has the emotional heart. Um, at Howard, we try to allow students to go back to Africa. Not many students want to do that. Right. The question is, you know, where do I go back to? Right. Um, the, the idea that where do if we were to figure out ways that we are similar, um, that work is hard. So it's easy to just say we're different. Right. Um, but within that, there are definitely other complexities. So the truth, the fact that um, before Europe decided to slice up Africa, we were not all besties. Right. You know, Zulus, the Khans. Right. They weren't besties. Right. People had differences already. Human, human differences. Right. So we can't assume that um, the, dif- the, the differences we have as human beings are because of the fact that we're black. No, having differences is a human thing. Right. We just happen to have differences plus capitalism, plus oppression, plus I can't go back. Plus, I thought my mama was this part like this. So it makes it complex. Right. Um, so I think I'll, I'll attempt to answer that question that way. But it's deep. It's deep. It is deep. And before we got on the phone with you, we were really struggling with it as well. Um, but Dr. A, just to just to ask a little bit more about you, did you grow up in an African household? And if so, uh, were you told anything about African-Americans or uh, do you think you were raised differently than African-Americans? Um, hmm. So... I use this example, if they were given a scholarship, right, for those who are African-American, I would sign up. If they were given a scholarship for those who are African, I would sign up. If they were given a scholarship for those who are Khan, I would sign up. So my identity has been a mix, right? And that's the challenge that people have with Black people, that we can be complex and simple at the same time, right? That, that angers people, that my hair can be curly today and straight tomorrow, right? that angers people sometimes, right? They don't understand that, that, that blessing. But um, I was born in New York, the Bronx, uh, 10468 zip code. My parents were from Ghana. Um, we, we were raised in the Bronx, but we spent the summers um, in Ghana, right? So um, the joke was my sisters, when they were young, since we were like five, like every summer we would go to Ghana um, and we would be like at our parents' house raised. But after a while, my sisters used to get confused with what country they're in. So they would forget whether they're speaking English today or Akan tomorrow. So we would always go back and forth. So we lived this somewhat dual citizenship, we would say. Um, but we understand the complexity of um, what we know today as why we articulate Black Lives Matter, right? Because when I'm in this space called America, I'm a Black woman, depending on how you may look at me, right? So I, I live a the life of a black woman, but I can go to Ghana and be a con too, right? That, that makes me just dynamic. But I was raised um, with the complexity of that di- identity, right? And not many people have that blessing, 
right? I think it's sad to live your entire life in America and be black, right? It's liberating to be in a different space and be a majority, one. And two, not think about race as a crayon in a, in a coloring box, right? So in America, race is color, right? In Ghana, race is who are your parents? Who, where are you from? Like the, every tree has a roots, right? So I'm not, I'm not a black woman in Ghana, right? I am a Khan. I have roots in history. So the idea of me living this multifaceted life, it is unique, right? Not many of my, I mean, my cousins even had that experience where they can just go back and forth or they even speak um, a Khan like I do, right? Um, but I do understand, I do have a lived experience as a black woman in America. And I also do have the experience of being um, a, um, the daughter of someone who is from the continent. Yeah, that's, that's super, I feel like that's a super unique experience. Um, so when did your parents come to the Bronx then? Oh, it's, it's funny because my parents came when they were like early twenties. So my mom has lived most of her life in America. So some of the traditional things that we should be doing, we don't do because she lived her, like her young adult life in the Bronx, so like partying and stuff like that. So, um, so she came, both my, her and my father met here, right? So they got married here. So some of the traditional marriage things that you would do on the continent, they, like they, uh, um, they didn't do that. They did it the American style. So, um, so they lived most of their life in America, so. As someone who has kind of like, has like a little bit living in Ghana, a little bit living in the US, were you ever like, did your parents ever say something like when you were younger about like, African-Americans or did you hear like growing up around people like maybe your family members or people in Ghana that said like a specific thing about like specifically like the people who you know like you said came their ancestors are from Africa but they're in the south and that type of history yeah um and I I say yes with a complex yes because yes there's a sense of if you look at who's struggling in America right there are people who are um, of African descent many times in the Bronx or Hispanic and Af- of African descent. And the um, reality is that you don't want to be like those people, right? But crouched in that conversation, the fact that my parents didn't have the language to say that these these people, they say these people, right? Or these African-Americans or African-American general are, have experienced something traumatic and we don't want you to go through that traumatic experience. So the short way of saying is don't, you know, don't associate with them. What they really are really saying is you don't want what's happening to them to happen to you. Right. Again. And then on the same time, if you've seen the um, documentary, the, um, Ava DuVernay, um, what's it titled? When they the see 13 us. One? No, not 13. Oh, okay. The, um, uh, what's it called? I think it's when they see us. I think you're right. When they see us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, African-Americans, older African-Americans, you know, the, uh, their parents at that time, felt that these young boys were to blame, right? Because they they just assumed that um, young black males were criminals, right? They didn't they didn't want to say that, but they were saying that like, you know, like that these boys should go to prison. These boys should face the consequences, right? So there was this divide with people lack language on how to say what they really want to say and also who to blame, right? The idea of saying um, the government is at fault for us not living in proper housing but we're blaming the people who don't have power for, let's say, finding different ways to make money. And we say it's their fault, right? But yes, I grew up in a household where my parents, you know, don't hang out with that boy. Don't hang out with that girl. You know, that those people are going the wrong direction. 
Um, but I think it's just lack of language. And we still have those challenges today. We still sometimes label bad schools, right, when, they ha- when they're predominantly Black. But what we really want to say is these schools that happen to cater to Black people aren't properly funded, right? Um, and that happens to be the shortcut that, re- that the revolving stereotype that continues. Yeah, and when you frame it like that, it makes it makes me like understand like oh I don't have the language Amari is side eyeing me um, <laughs> because I don't think because I'll just say my parents are African American both of them and so I see you know the history of like all my all of their parents like are from the South and so I know that slave trade is like Alabama mm-hmm. and North Carolina and so when I grew up. Um, I grew up in like a predominantly black area before I moved to a predominantly white area. And so I just like as a child's mindset, it's just like, okay, we're all black until like most of my friends um, in high school are actually Nigerian. So then I started to see the differences of like, okay, my like they grew up in a very different um, upbringing than I did. And I'm like starting to realize the difference. So when you grow up and you start to hear like negative things about um african-american people it's very like hurtful because it's like at first i thought we were all the same but now i'm seeing the divide and then when it's like not only is there a divide it's like oh your people kind of like you said like don't hang out with them like they're kind of lazy they're like poor they're going to jail like that's very hurtful to hear and it i don't under like i for me i just didn't understand like why would you say that about someone that looks like you because at the end of the day like you said we're all from the same ship so when i hear that like people especially black people talk down about african-americans it's it's very disheartening um but when you say like when you frame it as okay yes they said x y and z but that's not entirely what they mean i think it softens the blow a little bit but you know as the read says word words mean things um no i'm not to say that some people don't mean that some people i i know of and the reverse exists right um well yeah the reverse exists where people think that people of african descent are taking their jobs right um, and or the Jamaicans are, you know, they they're just doing too much, right? They they're making us not, they're making us look bad, right? So there's that reverse, right? So some, but some of that, some people do think that way, and a lot of this is an issue that people people have, and this is probably gonna come out come off come out the right way. Um, you just lack knowledge, and people that lack language, right? You're like your your mind just hasn't. It's it's very hard to conceptualize for some people the the depth of enslavement, right? Like that people were really subjugated. People are still subjugated. People are still living a life where they feel like they are less than someone who looks lighter than them, right? So some people feel like, oh, you know, you're just being lazy, but there's not, there's there's laziness. Like I don't want to get on my couch because I'm tired, but there's a sense of, I applied for 25 jobs and no one hired me and I'm a dark-skinned black woman. Like some people don't understand that. Like some people live that life um, and they just don't get it. Right. And they, they say lazy. Right. Um, and this, this is with um, crime. This is with um, issues of ours, like when people get kidnapped, like there's so much that happens to black people that people just don't think that is deeper than what they see on the surface. Like some things are just really systematic in America and they just haven't had it happen to them personally. So they don't care to ask questions or they just really feel that. Um, Number one, that slavery, that slavery didn't happen. Like, it couldn't happen. Some people think that slavery didn't happen. Like not, no one could have put this many people in a boat and brought them here. Like no one could have done that. Some people really think that slavery didn't happen and that we are we are exaggerating and we just get over it. And um, when they see a movie 
about enslavement they think is like fiction it's drama when the horrific things that have happened to black brown even some say hispanic people um it really happened and people are still living with it i i think it just takes empathy on on both sides i think because i personally my background is very similar to kia's my family is african-american for me, it was a huge, I'm from upstate New York, um, but I came to college downstate and it was a huge shock for me that everyone down here who I met, or not everyone, but a lot of the black people I met down here, they were like, what island are you from? And I'm like, what? My family's from the South, huh? Like, no. Um, but I do think that it takes some understanding that if you come from a place where you're the my majority, Um, and you've never experienced American racism before, you might think that the Black people here are bugging a little bit. You might be very surprised by the things that you encounter. And on the other side of it, if you your entire life have experienced being marginalized to a point where it's nothing even new to you, where you're so used to it, you might not know how to, you know, move against it. And you might look at people who are not in those kind of shackles and think they uppity, you know? I, I just think it takes empathy and understanding and patience on both sides. Yeah. We, we had this watershed moment in New York where, you know, Amadou Diallo is like shot in New York, right? This is an immigrant, a black man. Um, we touched as a black man because it has a, a man of African descent as well, right? But these two sides like collide where um, the oppression just kind of hits everyone, right? And it's like, okay, wow, like we're, we're the same people, right? And that, that unfortunately took a murder, right, to happen. But the, the, the depths of oppression are just so, it's complex. You know, that's why people go to college to take black studies to understand like, how did I get here? Where are people from? Right. But the average person doesn't have that privilege to really look at where they are, how they got here um, and what are the problems that need to be solved. All right. Um, so th- it's, it's just complex. And we articulate it as, you know, we're just different. We're just beefing, you know, um, but um, some of it is just systematic. Yeah. And something like you had said earlier, too, is that like before we started, I was talking to Kia because my parents or I was talking to both Janae and Kia. Um, but I was just trying to explain, a, I think, my thought process on it, having grown up, um, both my parents being Jamaican and having the language around like African-American living in America as a black person and how that kind of was framed. And they like tried to really drill it in my head that like, yeah, you're black in America, you're being raised in America, but you are being brought up in a Jamaican household. And like, that is different. Um, and I think I, a part of me like leaned into it cause I just thought it was cool to like, you know, come from an Island and have this whole culture that I didn't necessarily have access to all the time, but also being young, living in upstate New York, like Janae, and also being very much aware of how the white people around me viewed me as a black person, as a black girl and being very aware that it was very negative. So I feel like as a way to protect myself, I really tried mm-hmm. to lean into the Jamaican part of myself mm-hmm. because I knew that there was a negative connotation mm-hmm. with being black mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, as I've grown up and as I feel more 
um, just more comfortable in my blackness and also like my identity as also an African-American woman, I think. Um, I get sometimes like stuck where it's like, I don't necessarily feel like I have a full claim to being Jamaican. Mm -hmm. And I also don't have a full claim to being African-American. Mm -hmm. And I do get hurt on both sides when like fam <laughs> my family is like, um, they'll like, they'll say some things and I'm like, well, I'm African-American and that makes me feel some type of way. Mm -hmm. um, but then also not feeling like I, like I can't trace my roots in America. Mm -hmm. And so I guess this is a long winded way of like prefacing this question and like, how can the perceptions of African-Americans like through maybe the eyes of, you know, people of Af black people of African um, origins and Caribbean origins, like how can that be damaging? Cause like for me sometimes, you know, when I'm hearing family talking about like black Americans, I'm like, all right, well, it feels like you're talking about me. Cause also like I was raised here too. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering like mm -hmm. um, if that can be dangerous sometimes. Um, so two things that came to mind when you were speaking, um, I think you point to the perfect example that when your parents are, pulling you closer towards a sense of Jamaican identity that it's really about protection, right? For, cause whiteness is um, structured to dismantle blackness. So if you lean closer towards Jamaican, right? I'm trying to save you, protect you, right? Um, but the, the, the dangerousness of it is when we see, for example, we tell girls to cover up, right? If you cover up, no one will attack you or no one will rape you, which is not good language, right? Cause there's, then you're putting the blame on her as if, she did worse. If she did wear something that was revealing, then, then it's her fault if she did get attacked, right? So there's dangerous ways in which people use language that um, just continues the problem, right? So your, your parents um, are think are articulating ways to protect, but they're not protecting. They're just kind of fueling the fire and creating this um, identity of blackness as being negative, right? Um, so there is a danger in that. Um, and I think the challenge we have today is to, one, understand that when we talk about the formation of American politics, the, the colonies, right, there is a attempt to construct what they define as blackness and whiteness, right? So many times what people are articulating is that I don't want to associate with what America defines as blackness, right? And we go through many um, attempts like the Harlem Renaissance to redefine blackness, right? To redefine what it means to be a new Negro, right? So we attempt to try to like reclaim um, what we want to be labeled as, right? But at the core, there's a sense of the project is to make Blackness a monolith, right? And our job is to say, no, yes, I'm living this Black experience in America, which is not by choice, but I want to say I'm Jamaican too, right? So the, the idea is to give you a choice, either or, but that's not real. Like you can be a con Jamaican and American at the same time. Right. The politics of it is citizenship, which is I was talking to my sister a few days ago. I said citizenship is demonic. Like that the idea that you cannot move where you want because you don't have a sticker or a passport, or you didn't you don't have money, right? That that's not that's not humane, right? And people are being subjugated to living in areas where there's famine because of citizenship and boundaries, right? That weren't created by us. Right. So the idea is to make you choose. So are you authentically Jamaican or you authentically American? Like, but those are false. Um, binaries, right? That as a human, again, as a black, as as a, as you, you can be all things, right? Again, your hair can be curly, it can be straight. Like that's that's what you want to do. Like I can be Jamaican today, African tomorrow. I can eat Jamaican food now. I can switch to J Japanese food if I want. So you can do whatever you want. 
but the idea is to control you. So don't feel like, don't, let's not try to think of it as either or, right? That's playing the, the race games in America, right? Um, and that's what sometimes what we see is, you know, people point out that in America, black is bad and I don't want you to be bad. So it's your job to rethink identity and say, you know what, whether you're Jamaican hyphen American, you want to like your job is to kind of exist out of that American project and be your best self. And at some point America will pick up to who you are and they'll start calling you what you want to be referred to as. Right. But um, it, it's very hard because clearly we're in the minority. Right. And the systems around us say, no, no, you know, check a box, black. Jamaican, you know, so we have to play these games based on citizenship and economics and employment. But the the, hum, the human goal is to say, I can be all things at the same time, because black is not, my identity is not a monolith, right? You can choose to, the whiteness, but I, I don't, I don't subscribe to those um, ideas of identity. And in the authentic African sense, the idea is that as a human, you have a bloodline and your bloodline may have different lines in it, right? But your your goal is to be the best human. Your goal is to be, in, in many cases, the ancient Egyptians say, your goal is to be like God. Like I'm all things. Like I am that superior in, in being and spirituality and knowledge that it supersedes what you, my color or my skin tone, right? Like my identity is not, like I am my mother's daughter. I'm not a black woman, right? I, I'm not playing the color game. I'm playing like my identity is stooped in my career, my calling, my purpose, that's what I want to be referred to as versus a color in a crayon box. And when you're talking, I think there's also like a lot of fear, I think, to 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 that type of liberation too, because we when we look at people who really live authentically and to like how they identify and how they refuse to be confined to these boxes, we see what society does to them. And so I feel like sometimes it's like the, the closer you are to like feeling that liberation, I feel like there's so many things to remind you that like you feel like this pushback because it's like actually very scary to like live in your personal truth Definitely. and like not be defined. Definitely. I, th- I think it's again, the question is who's asking? Like you want to know who I am? Who are you first? Let me know who you are, then I figure out what answer to give you. Right. But in my day to day life, um, in my family, um, in my schoolwork and my job, like people are clear about who I am. Right. So they, they, they should be clear about that. So if someone else comes to me and says, or someone refers to me, like, I don't know, hey, chick, like, I'm not going to respond because I'm not a chick, right? So you, you decide what you want to respond to and how you want to respond um, as a human being. Um, but you don't spend time struggling. And this is a, a, a conversation that kind of goes back, you know, colorism. Like, you know, that's something that's like emotionally draining, right? Um, but you don't have to, you don't have to deal with that language. You can just say, I am beautiful, period, right? It's hard, you know, um, but we can try to live in those spaces where we define our own humanity and not let others do it. Um, colorism is a topic that we constantly, constantly talk about because I think all three of us kind of sit on the side of we all black, so that doesn't matter. Um, but another question we wanted to, to ask you, which I'm pretty sure where you're going to stand on this, but it was something that got pretty heated for us. Um, And, you know, we're curious if you think, can people within the same diaspora culturally appropriate one another? Um, So some examples of this for 
um, our listeners is uh, Beyonce's Black is King album. Um, you know, Drake using Caribbean accents on some of his songs. Uh, Michael B. Jordan recently coming out with um, uh, rum or something like that mm-hmm. um, that he it. used a Caribbean name for. Um this these topics have had so much chatter within the black community and usually it's split between one half saying this is not your culture so don't use it when you want to and another half saying well we are all black so what's the issue what are your thoughts these questions are a little bit tough on the spot now i know i know i know um, i know it's interesting so i did a this question comes up every halloween Right. Where um, people ask about this and, you know, who do you can, can you dress up as historical figures? Like, is that appropriation or you can dress up as cultures appropriation? So um, it's a very um, touchy conversation. And I think um, I've, I've I would say I, there's a thin line between I think the, the, the thin line that divides um, appropriation and appreciation. Right. is credit. Um, so is your, is your goal to appreciate and give credit to what you're embracing, right? And there's also intention, right? Did you, are you, are you true about your intentions? So I think Beyonce um, was intentional. She was true about her intentions and she gave credit, right? So I, I wouldn't define what she did as something that was appropriation, I, I would say, right? That's just me. Um, and I think that's what sometimes becomes a challenge um, that people don't appreciate what they have access to. They don't give credit, right? If you, let's say, learn a new dance from um, a culture, like, do you really give credit to that culture, right? And are your intentions just to use it and dump it or your intentions to elevate it? Because some of the conversations within um, the diaspora is the fact that people don't, people don't, people don't lean into it to lift it up. They lean in it to use it and then drop it, right? Um, so what we see with Beyonce, she she gives credit to artists, culture. She goes to the space, right? She allows you to visualize the content for people, content for people who never traveled, right? Which is an elevation conversation. Um, but can within the diaspora, can you? Um, so yes, the answer is yes. I think people can appropriate and appreciate, right? You can tr- attempt to do something, but you didn't do it well, and it's appropriation. Right. So I think you have to follow those guidelines that I'm, 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 I'm saying that makes the conversation of why you're leaning into that culture useful. Right. I'm not saying you have to, let's say, survey every Zulu person. Right. So this happened with Black Panther. Right. They're speaking Zulu in Black Panther. Right. And when Black Panther came out, they were in that in on our side which is the americas people were like oh yes i'm going to watch black panther with dashiki oh my gosh yes on the continent it wasn't the same way right it wasn't that same conversation because the credit part wasn't clear right and two the narrative itself in the end of the film didn't clarify where african-americans stood with those who are from the continent because it looked like a battle at the end and African Americans had to die, right? Um, so, and then the idea. Of, so, there's a, again, Black Panther's little Black Panther is based upon white men's idea of what a kept Africa looked like, right? So, Marvel created Black Panther, but Black people are playing those characters, right? Um, so, I say that to say that there are ways in which you can appreciate the culture, 
and not be in it and there be a sense of satisfaction with the culture that you did that well, right? Um, because the idea that, again, we don't want to be monolith, right? Just how I can say I can learn Spanish and speak a language because in that language is culture. That's the same way you can say I can go to an Afghan country and learn a language and speak it and educate somewhere else. There are also ways in which we can appropriate, like you, you got it wrong, like you're using it and not giving it the due, the due credit it deserves that people do fail within the culture. I think, okay, when Janae, like when you set up this question, Janae, I feel like you thought she was going to say something completely different, did you? <laughs> I 100% <laughs> thought that you were going to say, we all Black, it's all love, do you? But uh-huh. you brought up such a great point with Black Panther that I actually never even thought about mm-hmm. how kind of um, just the ending, the way Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. dies mm-hmm. and how that kind of is divisive. Very. I mean, How, I, I have people from the concert text me like, what is this? Like, are y'all serious? This is like and, the best y'all can do? To be completely honest, as an African-American where, and, and this was something that came up for me while Amari was talking, um, there was one Jamaican kid that I went to school with and he always said that he was Jamaican. And he and I had an argument. This is like in seventh grade. But he and I had an argument when I was like, you're black. And he's like, I'm not black. I'm Jamaican. And I said, eh, you're black. And we just, we, we had this whole back and forth, which is so dumb of me telling him mm-hmm. who he is and, you know, children. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came up for me again, when you were talking about Black Panther, how there is this divide and watching Black Panther for the first time, I'm like, yeah, bury me in the water where my ancestors were. But exactly is that's not that's like right. slavery all over again in the water. For yeah, real? yeah. But watching it in that moment was this pride. But when I take a step back and think about it, and really think about how we should not be proud of that, we should not be celebrating characters that really divide blackness, where it's Killmonger mad because he didn't grow up the same way Black Panther did. I think it's a valid, I think think why Black Panther was so, why a lot of people connected to it um, is because they kind of felt some type of like similarity to Killmonger though, because I think as someone- I think it's valid. I think his feelings are very, very valid. As a black person who Mm -hmm. grew up around people from the diaspora who looked down on you, and didn't have those same beautiful opportunities to experience Africa, completely understand where he's coming from. But still, but I think you can say it's div- I think you can say it's divisive on both sides too, because I think mm. with Killmonger, it's like, and I think this is where a lot of African American pain comes from, is that we like, okay, I'll give you an example. I'm always on Twitter. So on Twitter, <laughs> they were like, rep your flag, da da da. Uh, and like, uh, or you uh. see that joke on Twitter where it's like, Caribbean and uh, Spanish people always be having their flag in the car, da da da. And, and African American people are like, I want to rep a flag, but I'm not repping America. The fuck? Like, uh, I'm not going to do that. I hate uh, America. It's, uh, it's a country that brought me away from my roots. And then on top of that, 
on top of all the bullshit that America puts African-American people through, I can't even go back to the roots. I don't even know what flag to go back to unless mm-hmm. I pay uh, maybe Ancestry.com, and that's not even accurate. To also hoard your DNA or whatever. <laughs> well, that too. Your data. <laughs> but it's just like, too. I don't have anything. And kind of like Amari said, her parents wanted her to keep her closer to Jamaica. So it was kind of like a safe, that safe bubble. And for us, it's kind of like, we don't have a safe bubble. It's either... It's 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 just nothing. It's like we can't go anywhere but here, and here is like the worst out of all the places because it's this has such a dark history here. So I think there's that's where a lot of that pain comes from, and that um, why like I just feel like um, like Black Panther because for me I saw Black Panther three times when it came out. I was like I love it, <laughs> but, I, but you missed the ending part when he dies. Like did you miss no, that part? I, I didn't. I, I was I, there for I, it. I never heard like what you just said how people from Africa didn't like it uh-huh. I never knew that until oh. now I just for me when mm-hmm. it first came out we were hyped like I'm not gonna yeah. lie we went three times we went I went to go see it with you Kia yeah I saw I saw it so many times I thought it was amazing I never knew the um the criticism yeah because I was I think for me I was just operating like I just love this movie about black people and it feels like yeah. I'm this is my connection to Af- this is the closest mm-hmm. connection I'll have mm-hmm. and so for me I just never even heard the the, um, the argument side. that you said yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting so I think a lot of the f- the success in black people the fact that black people can see themselves and it be in so many different ways so much like if you've never been to Africa oh my gosh it's Africa like you know so that's that you know people lead into that but at the source of the storyline is very very um, um, it's it's divisive. I, I, that end is also like it's no different from any other um, whiteness project, right? So the idea of what if Africa, you know, didn't share with anybody else, or you know, um, the idea that you know, because um, Wakanda is a space that is not enslaved, right? And they've been kept intact and advanced because they don't share with anyone else right and the issue is do we let anybody else in right um and they're thinking that no we shouldn't or no we shouldn't share like that's something that 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 aren't african ideals right um african people are welcoming um the idea that yes the truth is if we had not been colonized colonized we would be advanced but our advancement wouldn't be just solely for ourselves right um and the way in which they look at whiteness in the film like the white people are in the film but they Besides thief, like they're not the problem. Like the UN has no issue with anybody. For real, the UN, right? The government, federal government, FBI, you guys have no, 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 no issue with what's happening with this project, right? Um, but again, I think the success is in the fact that we see ourselves, and that was a plus 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 plus. But um, Black Panther could have been in Spanish. We, you know, we would still be hyped because we see ourselves in a film. Right. That that's that that's the best thing that is um, given. But um, not everyone took it that way. I remember at graduation at Howard that um, Tyreek Bozeman was speaking. Right. And it was a woman who was like leaning up to the podium with a, like a Wakanda shirt. Like and it's like, you know, Wakanda is not real. Right. Like there are real African countries like Wakanda could have been named like South Africa. It could have been named Ghana. Like there are real African countries with names and languages that Wakanda could have been that kind of made people feel like they can lean in, right? Oh, my one thing, my, my other point was, so that's why Garvey was so, Garvey and the Garvey movement was so powerful because he felt like a, a people needed a flag, right? So so they create the red, black, and green flag to unite black people across the diaspora. So, if, so you don't have to pick up the, the U.S. flag. You can pick up the red, black, and green flag as a people, and we are a nation within a nation. Now, Garvey went, never, uh, you know, he, ne- he never went to Africa, 
right? But he was able to create a pathway that people could go back. But the biggest thing that he did was create this flag, this unity, this sense of um, we are in America, but we are our own nation, our own culture. We have our own publications. We have our own flag. Um, we have our own um, military army parades. Like, you know, he did make that central to um, the black community in America. And he's um, from the Caribbean. Yeah. You also said something that um, about like how like black women was like Wakanda, whatever. And again, with like Black Panther, I think a lot of black Americans like the idea of like it kind of gave them hope as like like seeing what would have happened without slavery is something that was so deeply like wounded in like their ancestry. Like, oh, my God, like maybe like it was some type of like hope, I would say, like on that part of like oh my god like there there could be a point where like we could all just be together in one and like kick white people out i think that was for me i was like (laughs) it was like it was like it was like kind of therapeutic to see that as someone who like doesn't have like certain roots anywhere it's like this is like the the truth is like if you you can cut out ancestry.com buy yourself a plane ticket to let's say south africa ghana seashells island and morocco pick not Morocco, but um, any African country, you pop up there, they're going to be like, hey, sister, guess what? You that country. Like, no one's going to check you. Like, no one's going to check you. If you came back and say, you know what? I'm South African. Who's going to check you? Right? No one's going to check you. Just, you know, just pick a country. Pick a country. Come back. You visit it. I'm sure somebody will claim you when you, when you arrive because they miss you. And they just keep pushing. Right? It, you know, picking a country is hard. You know, uh, I'm the 54. But just pick one. Like Wakanda was made up, but you can pick up. You can pick up any one, come back, and no one's gonna check you. So the idea that you know, media makes it so complex that and, and they keep us divided. But no, Killmonger doesn't have to die for his life to be better. He, does, he didn't have to die. Now, y'all, don't flame me. Don't flame me. So my family did do the, the they were DNA. Gonna plan a trip. <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 gonna plan a trip. We're, okay, we're, I was about to say. I remember before the pandemic, my dad was like, "You want to go to? You want to go to? I think it was Ghana, right? Where our or parents? So, yeah, 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 yeah. They were planning it. So Kia, you can come on that trip. Yeah, Kia, whenever come on we can trip. travel. <laughs> um, but my parents did do the ancestry, and we are mostly Nigerian. Same. So, they say that the love is not the love won't be good, but you know, hey, I, uh, hey, it's okay. <laughs> that was shady. <laughs> when you want some real love, come over to Ghana. It's okay. <laughs> we were our me and Amari's dads are really good friends, and okay. they really wanted to go to Ghana okay. together. Okay. And so. I think Ancestry.com. My uncle, I didn't pay for it. My uncle did, and it said <laughs> a lot of we have a lot of uh, history, I guess, in Ghana. So yeah, no Jamaicans have how, even the food, the aki. You you see all that food and go to Ghana. Okay. Um, well, um, I just have we just have one last question, I think, unless you guys have follow up questions. But um, can there ever be less of a disconnect between African-Americans and others from the diaspora? And you kind of touched on this with language, but is there anywhere uh, language and knowledge? Is there anything else? And I'm just going to let my dog out. But you can answer the question. <laughs> um, you know, I think as we the Internet technology has been very powerful. Right. It's created less distance in the world. So you can tweet someone in South Africa and they tweet you back, right? You can um, FaceTime someone, right? So I think there are ways in which we can get closer 
and think about our similarities, right? And hip hop does that, right? You know, hip hop comes comes this cultural body that you know countries are having this emergence and leaning into hip hop, which is a creation within the African African American experience, and they're sharing in it. So through hip hop, we're kind of finding some synergy. Um, so yes, we can. Um, but the, the biggest way I think is in knowledge, in traveling. You know, COVID has kind of hurt it because I, I believe um, uh, the year return uh, to last summer in Ghana, like that was really big where Af- Ghana was giving dual, dual, dual citizenship to anyone who came, right? So just traveling helps people um, understand better, not think about the difference so, differences so much, but kind of lean, lean on the similarities, right? Um, but as much as we're tweeting each other on FaceTime, eating each other's food, you know, we've got all these food trucks that are kind of sharing all these cultures. Um, the Western whiteness project is also, you know, going hard. Immigration is horrible now, right? People can't travel as much as they used to. Visas aren't given as much as they used to in the past, right? There, there, there are ways in which the system's also trying to create more ways to keep us and make us more different, right? Um, whether that's in, let's say, institutional scholarships, institutional um, student offerings and classes, the ways in which the system kind of pushes back, right? But I think they're both going hand in hand. And again, even the arts, again, music, right? There are ways in which we can do it, not just do it in a classroom. If that answers your question. Yeah, I heard most of it. So yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I have any other questions. Janae or Mari, do you want to say anything? No, I'm just really excited for our audience to hear this episode because I feel like they'll they'll be really into it. And I think it's just also like a conversation we've just like been having amongst ourselves um, for a while now. And I know a lot of people, you know, have the same thoughts, have the same questions. So I'm excited to see what uh, discussion it brings up for our audience. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say I'm teaching at Howard going on, let's say almost 10 years and I've taught the same class of generally black women, intro and education. Um, and I don't think semester semester, the students who come in are more, um, more or less, I say, okay, more understanding in the issue. Like people will come every semester and still have a question about colorism, right? So I, I say that because I think there is a question of what do people need to hear to really get it right, because it's been a um, it's been a social habit to always think about the difference, right? Um, so I'm hoping that those who are you know watching this that think about you know what will have me make a behavior shift, right? Because it doesn't help to come to the come and listen, and then you go back and think, oh my gosh, I really need to like I don't know, get some skin bleaching cream. Well, I don't know, like you need like you go back to the same habit. Right. And I, and I don't think we've cracked that code that what is the formula? What is the remedy? What is the, the book? What is the class? What is the thing that will allow us to literally say we are not different? We are the same. Right. What we do have are different challenges. Right. That's that's definitely people. Some people have issues of um, economics. People have issues of just traveling. We have different issues. Right. But at the core, we are the same culturally people of the same womb and I'll move in that space right and I, and I encourage all of you who are watching um to challenge yourself like really like in my everyday life like how do I think of myself as not a monolith 
Like I am a dynamic person of different heritages. I may not know which one, maybe tomorrow I'll pick one, maybe tomorrow I'll be, I don't know, South African, I'll be Zulu tomorrow, but, um, and I'll read some Zulu books, right? That makes you dynamic, right? Um, some people pray just in English. Think about praying a different language, right? Um, just really push ourselves. And that's, that's, that's how we will see change, right? Um, and I hope that all the guests are able to um, listen and really think about, you know, I want to be different. I want to be a different person every day. I want to, like I change my clothes, I change my culture and I become more expansive in my blackness versus just being someone from the Bronx or someone from Jersey or, you know. Um, but Janae, I want you to close because I don't, I, I, don't, I don't like closing. Thank you so much for your words, Dr. A. This was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful episode. And you're so beautifully spoken. I love everything you said. I felt like I was like on a journey. This is great. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. You can talk to us on social media at sufficientlyblk. Email us at sufficientlyblk.com podcast that's actually black spelled out at gmail.com with any questions or feedback you can listen to us anywhere you get podcasts and don't forget to follow us so you don't miss any new episodes until next time bye bye